Well, guys, tonight we have a special time of brief teaching and testimonies, as I've shared through a video in recent uh, days or weeks about what this is. Uh, I'm just going to read off a few passages of Scripture, just going to read them. just want you to listen to them. You can jot down the reference if you want. They're not going to be on the screen. I'm not going to ask you to turn to them. But these passages, I think, if you take them with you tonight, after you're hearing the testimonies of these moms and dads, I think they'll give you a lot of things to be thinking about and praying about as we consider biblically what it looks like to shepherd and care for children uh, who might have special needs. The first reference I'll read tonight is Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16. David says, For you, speaking to the Lord, formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Exodus 4, verses 10 and 11, we see the exchange between the stammering and stuttering Moses and the Lord. Exodus 4, verse 10, But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Psalm 94, verse 9, He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? John 9, verses 1 to 3. As he passed by, he, Jesus, saw a blind man, or a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, whose sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. 1 Corinthians 12, 21 to 26, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Or the passage that Jamie Freeman taught from a few weeks ago on seeing God as good in suffering, Romans 8, 18 to 25, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit Grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, 
the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. If I'd have the three pairs of parents come on up on the stage, you can have a seat right behind me. Uh, As they're coming on up, I just want to remind us of the purpose of tonight. I said this in the video, but in case you didn't get to watch it. Number one, we want to continue the same theme of seeing God as good in the midst of suffering that Jamie Freeman spoke on a few weeks ago. So if you didn't get to listen to that, it was an excellent one. A brother that was born with cerebral palsy, and he can preach lights out uh, God's word. Uh, So listen to that. We want to continue that theme. Secondly, we want to be a church that removes as much as we can elephants in the room. I like zoos, but I don't think a church and a zoo need to be the same. So if there's any elephants in the room or stigmas in churches, uh, any type of topic that sometimes can get swept under the rug or ignored in churches, we don't want to be a church like that. Uh, We want to showcase God's power and grace even through our weaknesses. Uh, And then a couple of other things. One, we just want to encourage the church. Uh, I've sat down with all these families in my living room. Uh, We had a much longer discussion, about two hours or so over dinner, and talking through their stories in a much longer, more expanded version. And one of the things that, that you'll hear tonight is how encouraged they've been by many of you in your service and love for them. But also, lastly, we want to be informed as a church. Again, ignorance is not always bliss. And sometimes our greatest intentions to love families cannot land well if we don't understand where they're at and what's actually helpful and what's not. So tonight is one step in the right direction, I guess you could say, to think about how we can love these families, but also families that God may entrust to our care in the future. So our church can meet families right where they're at And uh, you might have family members, you might have neighbors, you might have friends that are in similar situations, and you're just curious about, how can I be helpful? Well, hopefully tonight that could happen. So I'm going to, what we're going to do is, is going to have each couple come up to the podium. I've asked them to prepare uh, a a mini testimony, a 30,000 foot view of of their family. Uh, Some pictures will be put on the screen so you'll be able to see their child. And then uh, they're going to walk through their story. And then at the end of each couple, I'm going to spout off a few lightning rod questions. Uh, They know what these questions are coming, but I think these would be helpful for you and I as we hear their answers. And after all three couples have uh, shared their testimony, answered those questions, uh, I'll pray for these families, and then we'll transition to the Lord's Supper. And you can certainly follow up with them if you'd like to talk further. Sound good? John and Sheila Lax, come on up. Turn it over to you guys and try to speak as close as you can into the mic. Can we have the first picture so that we know what we're talking about? Oh, it's up. I can't see it there. Okay, I'm sorry. This is our eldest daughter, Katie, Sarah, Anne Lax. She was born in England, so we had to have three names. Katie's 43. She has a sister, Julie Amanda Jane, and she has a brother, John William Mark. Katie was our firstborn. Katie currently doesn't live here. She lives in a supervised independent apartment with a group called Just People in Atlanta. 
Katie has accomplished so much more than we could have ever imagined, but so much less than we as new parents had hoped. So in the next, yeah, there's Katie. No wonder she has problems. Look at those things on her head. <laughs> anyway, Katie was born three weeks post-dates, and after a process of exclusion and tests, she was finally diagnosed at age seven with what they call hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy, which basically means that at some point, pre-birth or during her birth, there was sufficient lack of oxygen to the brain to affect some of her processes. We knew that she was slow with some of her early milestones. Uh, Sheila knew more than me. Um, I didn't always listen. Uh, but it wasn't until at age two that a teacher at her mummy and me class suggested that we get her tested, that we had to acknowledge that she had difficulties. After originally being in denial that there could be something amiss, then of course I sprang into man mode and I wanted to get it fixed. So if you look at that picture, the cute little blonde sitting down at the end, that's Katie. And the lady in the middle with the dark hair is the one that I wanted to hurt very badly. Truly, because she was the one that said to me that my, she thought my child had difficulties. Um, however, looking back on it, it was the best and most loving thing anybody could have done for us. So Katie attended a, a special preschool class. She did red, re, regular kindergarten for one year. That, that really didn't work very well. And then spent 11 years in a series of special ed classes that while it was one of the hardest things for us to see and to be part of, although it was the best thing for her with a plethora of specialists, teachers, support and planning, including the dreaded IEPs tailored to her needs and abilities. IEP is an individualized education plan. And it's when they tell you that your child is functioning at a four-year-old level when she's in sixth grade. Not a fun event. Um, anyway, so there's Katie again, the blondie. Um, she joined in some of the regular activities like Girl Scouts. She did some church activities. She also did Special Olympics and events with special needs kids. And as a parent, I have to tell you, it's incredibly hard seeing your child do these things because you want them to be in the regular sports. You know, you don't want them in Special Olympics. So she graduated uh, high school with a special ed diploma, academically functioning at a six-year-old level. She went to a vocational, uh, went to a vocational uh, place in uh, a program in Warm Springs, Georgia, for six months. And there, they taught her skills how to work in a school cafeteria. Since then, she's worked in the same school cafeteria in a middle school for the past 24 years. She's their longest serving uh, staff. She lives happily and supervised independently a life so very different from what we envisaged when she was born. She regularly attends a local Baptist church, helps at various activities there, and they have a class specially for just people clients. And she has a simple but genuine faith in God that is an example to us every day.
lightning round questions, John and Sheila. Uh, what's some practical advice you would offer to parents who are maybe in the fog of what to do if they're starting to be curious or suspecting that maybe their child might have special needs? Maybe there's something off is what's commonly said. I, I think I covered that. There's a couple of things. One is listen to your intuition, particularly as a mother. We tend to know, but we want to deny. And then the other thing is get help as early as you can. It's horrible seeing your child go into a special ed class. It's awful sitting through IEPs. But there are a lot of specialists. There are a lot of great people. And I credit the early intervention that we got to the fact that Katie is now able to function so very well. Mm. So that would be mine. I think from, from my side, it's try to resist the temptation to either find somebody to blame or try and tell the experts what they should do. What are some unhelpful comments that maybe people are sincere or genuine but sincerely not helpful? I, I think it's twofold. One is, as a parent, you tend not to want to admit that your child has a problem, so you act like they're, quotes normal, and then everybody thinks you have the most poorly behaved child, um, you know, and so I think, you know, try and get to know, um, ask questions, um, be supportive. I just actually, and I'll be quick, but I got a phone call this afternoon from a lady who we knew when Katie was probably in her preteens and teenage years, out of the blue. She was about the only one who included Katie in activities that they did. You know, they went places and they took her with them. So, you know, that's the helpful. The unhelpful is you should have, could have, have you read this book? Let me tell you, I probably have. <laughs> Any particular scriptures that have been encouraging or comforting for you guys? Yeah. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 26 to 29 says, Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, things that are so, and no human being might boast in the presence of God. Amen. Thank you, guys. Caleb and Michelle? Caleb and Michelle Burton, I'll leave it to you guys. Close to the mic as possible. You get to go from a nice English accent to a harsh, <laughs> hick accent. So, so we're Caleb and Michelle Burton. We've been married 18 years. We have two kids, Isaac, which he'll be 11 Tuesday, but he thinks he's 41 years old. And then uh, Maggie, she's seven. So, yeah. Um, well, so we first noticed that something might be up with Isaac when he was about two, because um, he had a cousin about four months older than him. Um, I'll have to explain some of these. Um, okay. Better. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he had a cousin four months older than him, and he was doing far more than Isaac. And Isaac was our first, so kind of didn't know a lot. Um, but as cute as a button. 
so not really talking a lot, um, but probably when he was around, I don't know. Oh, that's the haircut. That was bad. Uh, yeah, we just documented that. Very much, now, hindsight, that was a very much of a sensory problem. Haircuts are painful for him, but I didn't know that, so I took him to my grandpa who's been cutting hair for 50 years, and he literally foamed at the mouth and screamed, and my papa said, don't know what to do. <laughs> and so just a lot of um, situations like that that felt really um, like just failures one after another, just, you know, trying to take him to Sunday school or Bible study class or whatever, and he would just bolt and run out the door. So I had to, like, when I left my house, have the garage door down, strap him in the car seat, drive to the place, get out of the car, get the stroller by the door, then unstrap the car seat, strap him into the stroller, then we could go in the building. And I know my mom had him one time and forgot to strap him in the stroller and he got out in the parking lot. So just very much a brain a thousand percent on all the time. Reading the back of a fertilizer bag. I mean, and so in these younger years, we're like, that's cute, but that's kind of odd. But it's like, I think we found ourselves, like Sheila said, in the middle of, I'm noticing all these things I really don't want them to mean something, but I know that they do. Um, you know, going to pick strawberries, and he's the one that jumps in the mud puddle uh, because I couldn't catch him before he got there. Uh, just very chaotic, um, but we definitely had concerns for a while. Um, and then, so it all kind of started when he was two, at his two-year well check. Um, he was, that was a bad haircut. I did that. Uh, <laughs> And there's growing out. Anyway, uh, so at his two-year appointment, it was he needs a speech eval and on and on until when he was like three and a half, we did a preliminary testing where they said he is absolutely does not have autism. So that he was diagnosed with global developmental delay, which means he had delays in more than one area, not just speech, but also like occupational and physical. Um, and then... I guess it, when he, we had Maggie in 2016, and then Isaac turned four in November, and his doctor said, I think I was wrong. So when he was four and a half, when Maggie turned one, he was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. Um, so he, well, I did think, I, did, I didn't think to read this at our little thing that Blake talked about at his house, but I wrote, just a little testimony, I guess. Um, the week that Isaac started kindergarten, this was in August of 2018. That was about probably that age right there. Um, just about what my heart as a mother went through um, of loving your child but wishing they were different. So I'll just read this. When I look at Isaac, I can't help but see our creator's handiwork. Isaac is an amazing creation, but I didn't always see him that way. Up until recently, Isaac has been a hard child to handle. Unpredictable, wild, no sense of caution, in his own world, unfocused, but at the same time very sweet and strangely creative. But sadly, my attention was on the negative, all the things I didn't want Isaac to be. Why did I have to ch have a child that acts this way? 
Didn't God know my hopes and dreams? Wasn't our long wait for a child enough? I was angry. My angry heart peered around and found others' lives and situations that should have been mine, or so I thought. Jealousy took root. I was miserable. Then we had a sick baby. How much can I take, Lord? Then he healed her. Oh, God, how great you are. Would you do the same for Isaac? Would you cause him to snap out of whatever this is? In June of 2017, right after Maggie Grace turned one, Isaac was diagnosed with autism. It was a, it was a blow, even though we expected it. It seemed so harsh, so final. I could hardly tell those waiting to hear what we found out. It was hard to say. I sank into depression. Advice was coming from every angle. They misdiagnose a lot, you know. I wouldn't say that word in front of him. They say Einstein was probably autistic. Don't hide it, it's nothing to be ashamed of. I didn't know which way to go with it. So I went to the Lord because he graciously drew me. The Lord in his kindness let me bring to him what I had. Questions, confusion, longing, hurt, and anger. Anger toward him. Honestly, I didn't like how he made Isaac. I knew Psalm 139 said that Isaac is fearfully and wonderfully made, but I did not agree. Then one morning during my quiet time, sitting in my living room, the Lord spoke his word to my heart. Psalm 46.10, cease striving, be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I stared at those words, cease striving. Cease striving to do what, Lord? To be God is what came to my mind calmly and quietly. If I was God, I would have done things a whole lot differently. I never realized this attitude was in me, that this was the condition of my heart, until the Lord let me see it. I cried out in desperation for him to save me, for him to bring me into reality where he dwells in truth, to let me see Isaac as he sees him. And he answered my cry. He led me step by step to surrender to him in this area of my heart. The Lord had me deal with the jealousy. I had to own it, and there was grace. And then week by week, my depression faded and was replaced by overwhelming joy. I can hardly explain it, but only to say I look at Isaac and I can't help but see God's handiwork. I can't help but see what the Lord did in my heart. It makes me teary thinking I could have gone through life that angry way, so miserable and making everyone else miserable too, but God. Rich in grace and mercy, let me see Isaac as the amazing little person he is. Autism isn't what is wrong with Isaac or what he is. It's something that he has that makes him different. And let me just say, different can be incredibly amazing. I wouldn't change one thing about our precious Isaac Samuel. To God be the glory. I think, for me, one of the things that, um, just practically, that I've learned through this is just to think about people with special needs. I mean, I, I didn't grow up with any issues, grew up really normally. So, I mean, I think just being aware of just people's situations, and um, I think that's probably one of the, the greatest things that that's God, he's taught me through this. As I asked them earlier, John and Sheila, what would be some encouragement or counsel you give to parents who might be wondering, you know, if there's something different? Uh, 
what would be kind of those next steps if they're in that situation? Um, I would say oops, um, to find a person that you trust that you can just say it out loud. If you just kind of get it out and somebody that can pray with you and for you. Um, but just saying the words, I think there's something up with my kid. Yeah. And anything unhelpful? If people are trying to help, uh, just maybe your, your top three no-nos? Top three. I did have um, a, a very sweet Sunday school teacher. I picked Isaac up once, and she said, you know you can tell him no. And I thought, I do know that. That made me upset. Um, and then a couple of times just trying to get in the parking lot. I remember going into my into Bible study, which at that time, for some reason, I was like running the children's program, which was almost a joke because I couldn't even get my kid in the building. So I bought one of this backpack strap leash, a kid leash, and in the parking lot, I put it on him and then he just laid down in the parking lot. So it was like, that didn't work. <laughs> but, but then later on, somebody said, oh yeah, so-and-so saw you wrestling Isaac in the parking lot before Bible study. And I was like, it would have been nice to have some help. So things like that. Just like if you see somebody struggling, don't think the worst. Just think maybe they need a hand. Yeah. Uh, what are some ways the church here at CCBC has been helpful, encouraging along the way? Uh, yeah. You go. Uh, even today, Michelle Daly brought Isaac likes to like little fidgets, you know, something. And he's, his arm's broken right now, so she brought something that he could he could, you know, that he could put on his arm and still kind of play with it. So that was really thoughtful. Yeah. So. And just, it means a lot that we're back there a lot of times making a ton of noise and dropping things and talking loud, but nobody seems to make it a thing. So it's, we feel lo very loved and very understood, and that means the world. Isaac, just as a little pastoral internal uh, secret, he keeps me in check if I change the benediction from 2 Corinthians 13, 14 to anything else. He lets me know over there or through a text through his mom. And uh, I, I quickly go back to it if, uh, if we've done enough other than that. So it's, it's been good with he and I. Uh, any scriptures? I mean, you mentioned Psalm 46, 10 that have been uniquely helpful and sweet to your soul. That'd be the main one? Well, and I've got First uh, Peter 1, and I'll start with 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Great. Thank you, guys. Jacob and Elizabeth Roberts. Hi. I'm Elizabeth, and this is Jacob. We have a very unique family situation. So Ellie is our firstborn. Um, we had her in 2018. And then we have Bella, who's five as well. 
and she is our foster daughter. And we got her in November of 2020. Um, she's not in the room today because she doesn't really know she's a foster child. She does know, but she doesn't know. Um, and then we had Hazel in 2022. And then we got Haley right here, our 15-year-old, um, also in 2022, in December of 2022. So um, through most of this story, Ellie is our only child, um, but we do have four. Okay. Um, about Ellie's story, um, she was eight months old and was not sitting. Uh, prior to that, we thought something was off, but we kept ignoring it. And at about 10 months old, we decided to pursue PT and OT for Ellie, and our pediatrician recommended a genetic test. <clears throat> I was visiting the clinic for marketing when I ran into our pediatrician, and he, he told me he got the results back. Uh, he asked me to sit down, and the next words out of his mouth are just burned into my brain. Don't Google it. No three words have ever made you want to Google something more. And it is impossible not to do so. And I couldn't imagine what terrible thing was going to be behind. Don't Google it. He went on to tell us that, that Ellie had something called Angelman syndrome. That a piece of her 15th chromosome was missing. And it's evidenced by her inability to control her hands, her legs, seizures, um, a constant happiness, a love of water, um, everything matched what was going on. He went on to say that it happens in one out of 20,000 births. And, it, you know, you, you never wanted to be uh, the one with the rarity. But that's our Ellie. And it, when that happened, my mind and heart just could not stop thinking of all the different things. And all I could do is just I called Elizabeth and I told her soon after. Um, and we drove directly to my mother-in-law's house where Ellie was. I don't know if you want to say anything to So Jake called me and he told me, don't Google it. <laughs> so I'm starting at my work office and he says Angelman syndrome and I immediately, Angelman syndrome. Um, and then I immediately start crying, which I'm, I'm keeping myself short today so that hopefully I don't cry and lose it up here with y'all. But um, that began the grief <laughs> of losing the daughter you imagine. <laughs> I won't sing with Ellie. I won't run with Ellie. And the grief still comes. Like Elizabeth said, um, the first three days we grieved a life that we just thought in our head. Uh, Ellie would never ride a bike. I would never teach her how to catch a ball. I, I, the idea of her going off to normal school, to beating a boy, me hating a boy, her getting married to said boy, that all died. Um, the later the thoughts came about how are we going to raise this girl. Um, so something we learned back now, looking back at the whole thing, is the idol of a normal life died. And as Christians, normal is not in our vocabulary. We want it to be normal. We love it to be normal. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to die to self, to take up our cross, and go forth. And every day, when 
we lift a 50-pound child out of bed and into a, a van, and when she screams and you can't tell what she wants, we die to self. Uh, challenges. Would you like to cover that, or I could cover that? Uh, sort of. Um, Ellie brings joy in the small things. You see these pictures, how happy she is. <laughs> she's just laughing at the photographer. I mean, she's laughing at whoever. Of course, she does have her fits, but I've learned to be more content. <laughs> and I knew this is when I would cry the most, so I'm sorry, but I am so thankful for this church. At a church I went to previously <laughs> in childcare, somebody asked me if I just locked her in a dark room, would that make her calm down? And Ellie screamed behind those <laughs> for months. Everybody ignored her. Everybody back there tried to comfort her. And that means so much to me as a parent. Because when your child's different, you feel like they're a burden. And she's a rock star when she walks into this building now. Rolls. So I failed at not crying. I think, uh, where is he at? We're ready for your questions now. <laughs> you ready for them? Let's go. <laughs> First of all, thank you for sharing. Uh, because that's not easy, and I'm so glad our church is a support and helpful, because Ellie is a rock star. Um, what would be some advice you would give parents who might be in that kind of uncertainty stage on, you know, maybe something's different, and uh, wondering what you should do? What, what would be counsel you guys would give? Don't be afraid to reach out and just ask. Um, you are not alone. God does not make mistakes. You have a church family around you who is here for you. And most importantly, be in God's word. Hmm. Do you add anything to that, Elizabeth? Nope. Yep. Um, anything that would be unhelpful, uh, not to say, not to do, if, uh, if you could inform? Don't lock my child in a room, um, one. Um, but people have told me why Ellie is the way she is. Um, more than once I've been told it's because I got her vaccinated. Um, totally not what we're getting into right now, but it's chromosomal. And she's missing part of her maternal 15th chromosome. And I mentioned that to my hairdresser. <laughs> and she said, oh, I just couldn't live with myself if I was the reason that my daughter had those issues. Um, <laughs> Um, but as Jake said earlier, God doesn't make mistakes, and he is always good. And Ellie is the way she is, and she can bring glory to God that way. Amen. In, in ways, the church has been practically encouraging and helpful. Uh, you, you guys, we got some tissues coming. There's one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Um, when we first had Ellie in, in church child care here, there was a struggle, but we just had to find people she felt comfortable with until she was comfortable with all of them. <sighs> Tom Chain, where are you? There you are. Tom Chain sang songs to Ellie in the back 
until she calmed down. But she loves Tom. And she loves a lot of you. I, uh, I remember a picture that Blake sent back in the COVID days when we wore masks of a picture of Blake barely keeping a mask on while Ellie is screaming bloody murder. But he didn't give up. So thank y'all for not giving up. It's remarkable how much she loves this church, guys. I mean, she knows we're getting close. She knows when we're here. She's excited. And I don't care if she has to be back there until she's 20 years old. Leslie said we could do it, and we're going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you. Thank you. (sighs) We're good, yeah. Yeah. Any scriptures in particular that come to mind as encouraging? Uh, Okay, yeah. (laughs) Okay, I do need it. Sorry. Uh, Psalm 139, 13 to 14, you've already gone over, but um, one that's uh, stated a lot in our house, thanks to Elizabeth, is Luke 12, 22 through 28. There's a constant, remember the birds and the flowers. Starting in 22, and he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in his glory was not arrayed like one of those, of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little, of little faith? Guys, I want to come on up. I just want to pray for these families. Thank you all for again having the courage and willingness to come up here. Let's pray. Father, we've heard tonight that you truly are a good God, a faithful God, and your ways are beyond our ways. Every human being you have ever created is fearfully and wonderfully made by you. Lord, we thank you for each of these couples, Caleb and Michelle, John and Sheila, Jacob and Elizabeth. Lord, thank you for Katie. Thank you for Isaac. Thank you for Ellie. What a tremendous privilege we have to love these dear people that are made in your image for your glory. Father, we pray that our church would continue to come around them, to serve them, to help them to meet some practical needs that uh, maybe could relieve some pressure, uh, some burdens. And Father, we pray the testimonies tonight of your comfort in their afflictions, uh, your comfort in their questions, and their endurance when they wanted to quit or run. Lord, we praise you that you've held them fast. And we praise you that in Christ you hold each one of us fast. Lord, we pray that CCBC would be a church that meets families where they're at, to love them, to make them feel cared for and seen and known. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Well, if you are participating at the Lord's Supper,